Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? I'm praising the Lord, brother, and I'm excited about this show. It's a great question. Yeah, no, I, I, one of the things I love to do, especially today's a Wednesday uh, for, for you guys, and I love doing questions on Wednesdays. Some important questions that we get sent in or, or things that get thrown out to us, maybe even at the congregation at Blessed Hope Chapel. And we have a couple of days we're going to be doing that this week. Also tomorrow in, in dealing with some eschatology questions. But this one is one that we kind of covered a lot of uh, just the topic of whether or not God loves the unbeliever, and I think... Yeah, and that was the real question that came in, and this was a sub-question that people ask all the time with that. Let's deal with that, too. Yeah, and I think that's really, really important, because sometimes, a lot of times, these things have layers, you know, because even when we talk about, does God love the unbeliever, and you throw out a scripture, he hates those who do iniquity, and so forth. And that actually happened on our on our show. People are like, hey, there's all these scriptures, but we got to really take it back. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be It's got to be and dealt we believe with. both are true. Yeah, no. Love hate relationship amen. with us wicked human beings. <laughs> yeah, amen. And we have a good, loving God, and we thank God for Him and for giving us His Son, you know. So, one of the things that we wanted to talk about on this show specifically is a saying that is said quite a bit. It's one of the more popular ones, but sadly enough, I, I think it's kind of been stolen uh, for a, a bad uh, a bad saying, usually when you're sharing the gospel with someone. Uh, but we want to find out is love the sinner but hate the sin is that actually a, a biblical statement to say that yeah no it's a great question in fact if you go and you do a little search on this question uh, you'll see people that think it's a a great you know great phrase and others who think it's unbiblical but what's interesting when you look at it you see that there's two extremes in another regard there's people who hate it for one reason, and then there's another extreme of people who hate it for a totally different reason. <laughs> and then there's us who believe, hey, it's biblical. I may not use it a lot, but I do believe it's very, very... And we're going to prove it's very biblical. It doesn't come actual... There's not a quotation where you can find a verse that says, you know, love the sinner but hate the sin. Although I believe you can find many scriptures that tell you to do both of those things. And therefore, it's, it's actually biblical. But uh, when you look at the history of the saying... If you go to, you know, origins or sites that deal with the origins of saints and so forth, uh, they'll typically give it to Augustine, or they'll say it was Gandhi who said it first, or Augustine. And both of them didn't make this statement, you know. I, I forget which one Wikipedia states, but uh, uh, Augustine said something similar. He said, with, with love for mankind and hatred of sins. But he didn't say, he said he spoke of love for mankind. He speak of love for sinners, which designates mankind as being alienated from God and sinful and wicked. Others attribute it to Gandhi. Uh, Gandhi said, hate the sin and not the sinner. That's similar, uh, but it, it, uh, the statement here, it doesn't say to love the sinner. He said, hate the sin and not the sinner. He never says, love the sinner. 
So this, both these guys didn't actually make this phrase. They said things like that. There's probably things that have been said like that a thousand times that have never been written down. Some that have written down. Something that's actually closer, a couple guys got a lot closer to the saying, and this might be where it's actually derived from. In the 18th century, Alexander Pope, in a poem, uh, one of the lines is, love the offender yet detest the offense. That's really, really basically, you know, sinner and sin, offender and offense. Love the offender yet detest the offense. That's as close as I've seen it. That's in the 18th century. Another state uh, statement that was made by William Mason in his... Uh, Notes on part two of the notes on Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. He states this, uh, he made this statement, and he can love the sinner as much as he loathes or hates his sin. Hmm. So we find two very close statements to that. So the real question isn't where it came from, but it didn't come from Gandhi. It didn't really come from Augustine either. Uh, But is it biblical? And as I said, there are two different extremes as far as why people hate it. And, of course, many Calvinists don't like it because uh, it implies that sinners can be loved, you know. And uh, they, many Calvinists don't believe that God loves sinners in a salvific way. Uh, many Calvinists deny that, you know, he loves them in a salvific way and truly wants them to be saved. Uh, less consistent Calvinists, like John MacArthur and John Piper and others, would say, yeah, he loves a sinner and he even expresses his love for them and wills that they would be saved and come knowledge of truth, but he has a secret will based on which he bases the decree on, whereby he wants to really damn them ultimately, which is not biblical. <laughs> uh, that's why it's called a secret decree. You don't see that anywhere in scripture. Uh, and uh, it's not the heart of God revealed in Christ Jesus. When uh, we look at the heart of the Father, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. You see one who cries out to, uh, saying, how often I would gather together as a hen does her chicks, but you were unwilling. You know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that slays the prophets and kills those who are sent to her. How can I gather together your children as hand as her chicks, but you were unwilling? Uh, that's the heart of God. And the scriptures tell us in Luke 7.30 that the scribes and Pharisees set aside God's purpose for them, rejected his purpose for them. So uh, he gives us free, uh, uh, libertarian free will, the opportunity to choose between one or more options regarding, obviously, with salvation, there's two options. And people reject the salvation, it says that could be theirs. Uh, so it's important to, to understand that. Uh, so many Calvinists, when they hear that phrase, you know, love the sinner but hate the sin, it's like it, it implies that that's what God does. And you have the more consistent Calvinists, and I don't believe they're consistent with Scripture. I believe John MacArthur and John Piper are far more consistent with Scripture when they're saying he loves the world yeah. and wills that all would be saved. But they're not consistent with Scripture when they say he wants to damn most people and them to burn in hell. <laughs> but... There, but say, for instance, James White, for instance, or R, the, the late R.C. Sproul, they'd be more consistent with their theology, saying that those scriptures don't really teach that God, you know, that God so loved the world, but that would be more the elect. Typically, uh, they would say something like that, and that he doesn't will, whatever says he wills that all be saved, or he doesn't will that any would perish, doesn't really mean that, you know. Uh, so they're more consistent with their theology, with this this horrible decree, and so forth. So you have both, you have that extreme, which basically uh, does, many of the, many Calvinists write blogs against this saint, or statements against this saint, or make statements against this, against this saint. On the other hand, you have the other extreme, and these would be what I would call more liberal uh, professing Christians. In fact, one uh, popular blogger, uh, he, he hates, he doesn't like this saint, and he, he tears it apart. And I was like, wow, man, he doesn't like any part of this saying, really. 
Uh, he says, there are several things wrong with the statement, love the sinner, hate the sin. And this guy, he has problems with, number one, the term sinner. He thinks it's too offensive to use the term sinner, even though he admits and says, yes, we're sinners. But to use that, 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 that terminology, uh, he says it doesn't come across well. Uh, you, you know, you're identifying people as sinners. It's offensive, basically, to people. And uh, well, guess what? Yeah, we are sinners, and it's a it's, it's offensive. Uh, it's an offense to God. That's yeah, who we should that's be concerned most about. Thing, yeah. Amen. <laughs> and the cross is a, an offense. Paul said to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. Those who are perishing. Paul talked about the offense of the cross. The cross is offensive because it's offensive to us in our own uh, humanity, in our fallenness, because. It makes us confront our fallenness because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when he convicts us, you're either going to say, you know, I give up. I surrender. You're right. I'm doomed. I deserve to be damned. God, have mercy on me. And it's the law of God that leads us to, as a tutor to the grace of Christ, leads us to Jesus. But we can be offended and say, you know what? I, no, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I've got some good in me. I'm a righteous person, ultimately, and so forth. So it offends us. Uh, so uh, I believe this guy's arguments, all three of them break down. They fail miserably. And to me, when I read when I read this guy's arguments, and I've seen it before, you know, when you're doing searches and you're studying and you're, you're seeing what other people, their takes on different views, he comes up a lot. It's a pretty popular blog. And I thought, wow, this guy is, and he, he had some really strong weaknesses before in his writing. I was, and I was, oh man, people are reading this and they're being led astray. And then when I read this, I was like, man, this guy, is often a lot of areas because number two he also has a problem with the word the term you know hating sin you know the idea of hating you know he says we also have to recognize that even god uh that even if god hates which i don't think he does and now there's many verses what we talked about last uh. week where he, god hates not only sin but where he there's scriptures that deal with him hating the sinner and there's a sense in which he hates what we become and how evil we become yeah but he loves us so much more than he hates what we become, he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So you have to teach the whole counsel yeah. of God, right, Chad? So he also has a problem with hating sin. He says we also hate, we also have to recognize that uh, even if God does hate, which I don't think he does, he says, at least not the way we understand it. He doesn't anywhere tell us to hate. That's unbiblical. <laughs> uh, furthermore, <laughs> 12, 9, we yeah. have to recognize that when he, when God uses this sort of language, about certain sins, and it's not because he uh, that uh, that he's upset that the person of uh, the person for committing the sin, really, he's not upset with us for committing sin, <laughs> or even at the sin itself, really, he's not upset with the sin itself for being so terrible, really, it's not that terrible. God isn't nearly as worked up about sin as we are. God is not in the sin management business. Really? really? Wow. Yeah, right, bro? It's like, wait a minute, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about sin management. You, ever, you know what I'm saying? It's like we just had an episode on dealing with Adam and Eve and their sin, you know? Yeah. we do. I mean, did he read about the flood? Does he read to the end of the book? Did he read why Jesus went to the cross? Because sin was so serious to God. Because he wanted to manage to get rid of it. Does he read Revelation chapter 9 and chapter 16 where they don't repent of their sin because this plague come upon them and the world's doomed because of sin? Yeah, you know, one of the things we were just talking, uh, you know, because, you know, um, my wife's grandmother is looks like she's about to pass away, you know, and I was talking with Robbie uh, specifically about his father passing away, Robbie Destocki. And one of the things, you know, when I see death, and he said, it's just there's nothing to to help a lot of times console someone when somebody they love that passes, 
you know, and one of the things when I think about that, when I think of childhood cancer and so forth, that is when I'm reminded so much of the darkness of sin. I'm reminded so much of sin and how horrible it is when you do see death and you do see evil and you do see these things and you go, literally, this is because of sin. And to just throw that aside and say, oh, God, not really in the in the sin business when literally this sin is why people yeah. are, are, this is why people die. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And that would be my mother-in-law, my wife Lisa's mom. And, and I'll be, uh, after uh, we're done here today, I'll be heading over there. And this could be her last day, you know? And I'm talking to Lisa throughout the day and going to definitely, Lord willing, be there in not too long. And, uh, and I have to get back to work because I start to cry over it, you know. Yeah. And I've gotten pretty close to my mother-in-law and, and just love her. And uh, uh, got a little salsa in my eye there. Uh, <laughs> but it's the ravishes of sin. It's yeah. Death is the enemy, you know. The last enemy is death, you know. And you're exactly right, Chad. The third thing he hates about this statement is he hates the word sin itself. He says, quote, When we say love the sinner and hate the sin... What we really are saying is, and I love this because he talks about we're being judgmental, but then it's the irony here is he's being judgmental about, uh, over, about everybody, whatever you use that saying, which is ironic as though everybody has wrong motives when they use that saying. Uh, he says, when we say love the sinner and hate the sin, what we are really saying is I, I love only those I want to love. Really? I thought it says love the sinner, meaning everybody. And, and I will hate and despise and cast out those people who do those things I have decided are worse than the things I myself do. Wow, interesting. And this way I can make myself feel better while I condemn them for all the problems that I myself have contributed to but don't want to admit. That's my problem with the word sin in that statement. So it's interesting. He, he's acting as though if somebody uses that saying, you know, hate the sinner but love the sin. And millions of people probably use the same. And I'd have to venture for a good portion of those people, millions of millions of the millions and millions that have probably used that same through the years, that many of them have probably used it in a very consoling way. Hey, you know what? You're being harsh, you know, on that guy. You know what? I know, yeah, he, he yeah. did this or did that. But you know what? Love the sinner, man. Hate the sin. Hate what he did. But love that guy still, man. Pray for him, man. Reach out to him. So a ton of people use that in a very, very loving way. Yeah. And He's, he's basically judging everybody like he's claiming other people or the way everybody must be using it. A blanket statement. It's almost judging a, the heart, actually, which is not biblical. <laughs> yeah. How many people love, love people? I mean, how many people love those who are committing abortion and work with them and pray with them and, and, and encourage them not to? And even if they do, they plead with them to repent and they love them. They love the babies and, and they work through counseling with those who've had abortions. And they say, well, you know, I love the sinner, you know, we're all sinners saved by God's grace, but we hate the sin, but I'm still going to love that sinner. And you're going to turn that around and say, well, really, they have their favorite sins they're cherishing, and that's why they like to use the statement. It's just this guy needs to think about what he's writing about and pray about it more and get biblical. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think about this a lot, you know, because I've dealt a lot with people coming off of drugs or just being on drugs yeah, and both so of us forth. Have, yeah. And yeah, obviously, you know, especially, I mean, what, I mean, most of the church probably, especially at the start, was a bunch of people that used to use drugs and then, like, God redeemed them, right? Uh, Blessed Amen. Chapel here. But one of the things for me is I absolutely love that person I'm witnessing to. And it is one of the hardest things to, to have them wrong you, yeah. you know, over and over again. 
you know, you see that and it's like, how do you not hate that drug? How do you not hate them using yeah, and choosing? Because we don't want to place it as a disease. We recognize people can become dependent upon those things. But we also recognize that they chose, just as I did when I was a drunkard, I chose to drink and so forth. And I see that and it breaks my heart. And I, because why? Why does it break my heart? Why do I love without hypocrisy and I abhor that which is evil because I see what it's doing to them and where it's going to send them for all eternity. Absolutely, Chad. And I think, you know, we both could speak to this. Both of us have tried, we've had people in our homes that were druggies that we allowed to stay there for a little while to rehabilitate. Uh, and we love them, you know, that's why we have them there, but we hated yeah. what they were doing. And, you know, I was able to see one brother come to repentance and praise God, he's doing well. He's been in the fellowship for years since. But I saw your situation and you and Holly just poured out so much love on this guy who hurt you and hurt you and you continue to pour out love upon him. Yeah. And uh, last I saw, he's on the streets. Yeah. But you could have only done that if you loved him because I know what you guys went through. Yeah. And I, I really commend you guys for that. And I know you hated the sin he was going through, but you were there because you loved him. And so uh, it's very, very unbiblical what this guy is saying here. In fact, God himself loves the sinner but hates the sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, right? And the world loved darkness more than light. He hated what they were doing. He hates the sin. And there's many places where we see where God talks about his hatred of sin. So I'm not going to recover that all again. We did that last week. Yeah. Uh, and But there's many passages uh, where he loves the sinner. So before we talk about ourselves loving, let's, let's look at it. Is this biblical? First of all, let's take the first part. Love the sinner. Who could argue that as believers... We're called to love the sinner. How could we debate that? That's like uh, Calvinists know that even if they don't believe God truly loves the sinner, they know that they're commanded to love the sinner. In fact, look at what Jesus said. In fact, he said we're to love the sinner because we want to be like our Father in heaven who loves the, his enemies. In fact, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, uh, you who hear, love your enemies. Okay, there it is. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, those are sinners. People hating on you, they're sinners. Bless those who curse you. They're sinners. Bless them. Pray for those who abuse you. The one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And he says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. Verse 32 if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So what's he saying here? Love sinners. Uh, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Then he goes on to say, uh, this is important. If you lend to those whom you do not, uh, whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? If you don't receive it back. Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Now I want to point out, he's using the term sinners and enemies interchangeably. Yeah. So he's telling us to love sinners, love your enemies. And by using the word enemies, he's talking about the worst of sinners in the in our own view, right? As those who would be most harmful to us. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons, I love this, and you will be sons of the most high, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Now, I think this is important. And I think each and every one of us, we need to make sure that Wrong doctrine leads to wrong living. We need to understand that. Right doctrine leads to, leads to right living. When we talk about love the sinner, we're not talking about just have a feeling of love or just have a feeling, you know, I hope he does well. He's talking about praying for them. 
He's talking about lending to them when we don't expect it to get back. Amen. He's talking about going the extra mile and even allowing ourselves to be hurt as uh, you and Holly were through that experience. I know you guys were. Uh, they came back from being gone, doing some mission work and so forth, and came back, and their house had been ransacked by the guy taking some very important things that meant a lot to them. Uh, and that was loving the sinner. So loving the sinner uh, doesn't mean just having a nice, trying to dredge up a nice feeling. You might not have any good feelings. You might have feelings of disgust toward their behavior and what they're doing, but you love them. That means you go the extra mile. Uh, and, and, you're, and, and you know what? You love them enough to let them know they need to repent of their sin because that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. You know, you know, you know. It's it's really interesting. I I remember as a newer believer, and this is a, a separate uh, account. As a newer believer, I remember being getting a report from someone about all the things I was being called uh, because I was no longer partying with a, a group of people. And years years ago, sorry about that, bro. <laughs> no, okay, that wasn't me. Yeah. yeah, I was already saved. No, but and I just remember years and years later, this same person who you know, and in your pride, especially BC, yeah, uh, you you come out of that, and obviously with sanctification, it's a pro, it's a process, and so obviously somebody comes over to you and like, hey, this guy's saying all these things about you, and you're like. Wow, that that guy's saying that about me, you know. You're like, okay, Lord, don't let me get in the flesh yeah, here, you know. Amen. Especially as a new believer. And then, you know, years go down the road, and then that person, you see them on the streets uh, separately. And in fact, you know, Tony and I and, and, and Joe as well, a lot of the team, we used to throw an event out here in Simi Valley. And specifically before the event started, I saw someone walking out of uh, or walking around it. And I recognized who it was. It was actually the same guy who was saying some terrible things about me years prior. And he was on uh, meth, uh, heroin, and methadone all at the same time. And I actually grabbed him. I said, hey, man, you, you, I, I explained to him, you know, the gospel. And he, he, he had some sort of understanding of it. And then I said, hey, you got to get this. You got to do this or whatever. And uh, I actually took him and I took his drugs because I wanted to throw them away. And I actually had my mic on. I was supposed to be on the stage. And I was like, I'll be right back. And I, t- I took his drugs all the way to the other side of the city and threw him in a dumpster so that he couldn't walk and get them. Because I know if you just threw him in a dumpster, they would go back when he was feeling that itch again. And then uh, he actually stayed the night at my house. I picked him up from underneath the bridge. And then I took him to rehab. And he's literally been off drugs ever since then. Praise and God. it literally went from... And this is where this is where I think about it scripturally. It literally went from a mocker, right? And yeah. just like I was, right? Just like you were. You've admitted being in the park, you know, and and you know, Mocking throwing God, yeah. throwing up a middle finger to God and so forth. And for me, as a mocker, the things that I I don't like even talking about it. The yeah, things that I would hard. say about the Lord, especially we just, we're, we just celebrated Resurrection Sunday, you know, and mm-hmm. just thinking about Him resurrecting, all the things that He did to draw me, to draw you, to draw the whole world to Himself as the Son of Man was lifted up. I it just breaks my heart to think that I did those things, yeah. but what a blessing it is to be able to come and know Him and to re- realize He had open arms. And what does He expect from us as believers to, to have open arms to those who are repent? Absolutely, bro. And praise the Lord for your salvation and <laughs> our salvation and the salvation of our brothers and sisters who are listening and or watching and, and part of this uh, discussion. Uh, Paul, I mean, talk about feeling bad, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, he felt really, really bad uh, because he was having Christians killed. And he was dragging them out of their homes, getting them to deny Christ. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine living with those memories, especially as much as Paul loved Jesus? must have broke his heart, but he yeah. realized how big and wonderful God's grace is. And Paul said this, you know, uh, and this is interesting because he was loving on his enemies. Because in chapter 11, verse 28 of the book of Romans, Paul says, as far as the gospel is concerned, some of his countrymen, the fellow Jews, he says, they're enemies for your sake, you know. 
But of course, God has God loved him still, and he loved him for the patriarch, the promises of the patriarchs, and so forth. Paul says, but listen to Paul, even though he was being hunted down by other Jews that were hunting Christians down, that are, like he was before, and so they're trying to plot as we read through the book of Acts, trying to kill him and so forth. In Romans nine, he says, "I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit." that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So Paul, you talk about love, man. You know, and, and, and Paul says that he was the chief of sinners. And Paul says that, and he, and he talks about being the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy chapter 1 in the context of him having persecuted the church. And he said that he was given grace and he said that God saved him, that he could would demonstrate his grace through Paul, and that if he would save him as the worst sinner of all, the, the chief of sinners, that anybody who would come to him would be accepted. So Paul saw this grace and this love manifest to him, a very unloving person. And then in Romans 5, Paul talks about how the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. His heart was transformed. And now he has this incredible, deep, profound love for those who are trying to kill him. And it's a tangible love to the point where Paul's saying, I'm telling you the truth, this is really my heart. If I could be cursed on their behalf, I would. Now, thankfully, he didn't have to be because Jesus already bore the curse on the cross and rose again. But in Romans 10.1, a little bit after that, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So while Paul can't die for them, Jesus already did it. And Paul's death would have done nothing because only Jesus' death uh, merits us salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. But Paul can pray for them. So he's praying for these guys. That's one way we can demonstrate our love uh, for the lost is by praying for them, by sharing in a loving way the gospel to them with gentleness and respect, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. And in Romans 10.21, Paul says, but of Israel, he says, all day long, this is God's heart, all day long I have, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. That's God's heart. So he definitely loves the sinner and he calls us to love the sinner and we're commanded to love the sinner. Jesus commands us to love the sinner. So is that phrase biblical? Love the sinner, that, that part definitely is. But hate the sin, is that part biblical? Well, a few scriptures make that very clear. I mean, Jesus, the paralytic, 38 years paralyzed. Can you imagine? And then Jesus heals him. He rises up and what, is, what happens? He says, go and sin no more lest something, something worse, worse come upon you. Yeah. Worse than being paralyzed for 38 years? Well, think about hell, folks. John 5, 14, afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see that, uh, see you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The woman caught adultery, neither do I condemn you. Uh, he didn't condemn her for sin, but said for now on, sin no more. Same, same deal there. But listen to this. So Jesus was hating the sin, but he's loving the sinner in those contexts. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. evil. That's the fear of the Lord, to hate evil. Yeah, but you know what? I don't fear the Lord, I, I, but I love him. Really? Yeah, if you love him, you'll hate evil. Listen to what it says in Psalm 97.10. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. And I love that, man, because we're, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, but also if you truly love the Lord, you're going to hate evil because you're going to love his, you're going to love his righteousness, you're going to love his goodness, and you're going to hate anything that comes against him and his goodness. I'm talking about any sin. I'm not talking about the sinner because God himself can hate the sinner in a perfect way without any evil involved. We can't do that, so it's very dangerous. So what we do is we are to hate the evil. And Chad, you already actually pretty much quoted this verse, Romans 12, 9. Let love be without the New Testament. You might say, well, that's the Old Testament. <laughs> well, by the way, in the Old and New Testament, you're called to 
fear the Lord, by the way. We should do a whole show on that or more. Well, we will. We will. Amen. Lord willing. <laughs> Paul teaches us in Romans 12, 9, quote, let love be without pretense. Hate, hate that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And, you know, if we really hate evil, you know what we'll do? You know, if you really hate evil, you know what you do? You'll flee from evil. You'll flee from sin. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 12, 14, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Joseph, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, uh, we read, she caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. This is Genesis chapter 39, verse 12 and 13. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house when he saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house. It goes on. But he fled. And brothers and sisters, let's let's love the Lord. To, to love the Lord is to hate evil. Let's fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is to hate evil. So let's love the sinner and hate the sin. And that is very biblical. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.